0: The following podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth.
1: Everybody wants a crown without having a cross. You must make serving God, submitting to God, and following God the most important thing in your life. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you're not operating in authority as a way of living, don't come and jump authority just when you get in trouble. Encouragement is not related to what I achieved. Encouragement is tied to who I am. And here's a principle you need to know for your life. Even though God has promises, The promises won't occur until you repent for the sins that got you in the mess in the first place. In other words, mister, if you want to live, the best way to do that is to get to know the life maker. There is nobody like you. And when God made you, he did not mess up.
0: We are bringing a bold statement about Christ. He's our only hope to face the darkness in our day. Thanks for joining us. Pastor Walt, we've been talking about many things on this podcast about men. Topics like father wounds, emasculated men, insecurity men not knowing who they are as men, honor and respect, and each generation of men are different from the previous generation. In fact, in her book, psychologist Jean Twenge draws a detailed portrait of 10 qualities that make today's teens unique and how the culture is shaping them. Her book is called I-Generation, why today's super-connected kids are growing up less rebellious, less tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood and what that means for the rest of us. So her book describes those who were born in the mid-90s and later are vastly different from the millennial predecessors from any other generations. So Pastor Walt, I got to thinking about this, and I got to thinking about how we have talked about even the Bible is generational, right? New kings came in and they were different from the previous generation. Some were close to God, some were far away. And churches are that way. You've seen it, I'm sure, right? That generations do play a difference in how things are seen and operated.
2: Yeah, it's harder and harder to navigate through church life. Now people are looking for variety. They're looking for community. And I think in many cases, unfortunately, they're just looking for a church that believes all of the things that they believe. So they come in with preconceived ideas. We got an email just a couple of days ago, just a litany of questions about the church. How diverse is it? How many young people are there? What happens in the kids' ministry? What do you have for children? Just one thing after another. I get it. There's a lot of churches to pick from, but it just sort of gave this feeling like they were looking at a menu.
0: They're going to a Walmart church. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: They want everything. But the challenges today for young pastors a lot of mistakes are being made out there. It's a topic for another day, but keeping the gospel the center is regardless of whatever generation you're in. So if a church stays centered on the gospel, dying to yourself on the cross, things seem to work out okay. There's one thing i that's occurred to me about this generation that maybe previous generations lack. So I'm going to say something good about this current generation.
0: Okay, well, that's good. I'm Cause glad. Because they really get hammered a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, they do, yes.
2: I think they're very compassionate. Oh, they're very I think patient. they are, yeah. yeah.
0: My wife says she has great hope for this new generation, even though the psychologist said they're less happy, but they're more connected than ever, than any generation. They're connected but they're less happy, I
2: think that's kind of interesting. I would say they're less happy, yeah. And I'd be curious to find out how she sees them being connected. Because it's so impersonal. Last night I was over at someone's house and there were three kids around 10 or 11 and they were all doing their own thing on their phone, watching their own show. All the adults are having communication and you gotta think what's gonna be the future of this group and when, when you're saying they're vastly different, yeah, they're vastly different. It was one of the highlights of my childhood, but when we had an event at church, I would go sit with the older men, and I would listen to their stories, and it was really fascinating, and I really enjoyed it, but it helped me kind of figure out and navigate what do men talk about, how do men interact with one another. We weren't allowed, we didn't have those kind of things, but we weren't. There were certain times when we were supposed to sit, be quiet, and just listen.
0: Well this generation for sure is connected in the sense that they are less judgmental Everyone's the same, and, and there's no differences between even men and women sometimes, and then they see that. There's no designations. So that got me to thinking, and I went down, you know, how psychologists put different generations in categories. For example, the greatest generation, which is 1901 through 1924, they were the greatest generation as they're called, but they worked together to build community because there, there wasn't many conveniences. Then came the builders. that was was 1924 to 46. That's where mom stayed home with children. And the men were lifetime job people. They joined a job and they were there for 50 years. Then came the boomers. That's my generation. 46 through 1964. That's the first time, Walt, that both couples were working. So double income in the family, prosperity plus. Then Generation X, which I think you're in, 1965 to 1980. That's the MTV generation, latchkey kids, What's in it for me kind of thing. Then came the Y or the millennials. That's uh, 1980 to 2000. Technologically wise, they are the Google, Facebook, and iPhone generation. Mm. Changed everything. Last but not least, Generation Z. That's the generation that never has known a world without cell phones and computers this is, I think, what the psychologist was talking about, the I generation. So, Walt, when we look at the progression of how we get categorized in generational sort of the strata here, it seems like at beginning, it was men were together. They, they needed one another. And as you get through each generation, now to the millennials and beyond to the Generation Z or I generation, they don't need each other like they used to. So that has to impact the idea of what a man is, doesn't it?
2: It definitely does. I mean, my wife is a boomer and yep. I always tell her, you know, your generation wrecked the church. <laughs> because
0: I'm sure that's uh, that's good for your relationship. You know, <laughs> they, they
2: gave birth to the church growth movement. And you right. remember the visitor parking spaces and the visitor center and it was kind of a message our church is better. Yeah. And that's where a lot of church transfer happened mm-hmm. and that was the and still happening. That's the main way the churches grow in our culture today. There's very, very little, maybe 1% or 2% is conversion. And each of these has their their benefits and their negatives. My generation, of course, yes, the Generation X, we have a little bit of rebellion against that boomer materialism. We were looking for more authenticity in our lives, and I thought there would be more fruit out of my generation. I thought they'll look at this boomer materialism. They'll reject that. And my friends, I think their ministries are similar to mine more. I want to say this without being too rude or too critical, but less focused on pleasing people and and more focused on the meat and potatoes of the gospel. So then I was ministering to the millennial generation as a youth pastor. I'm barely older than them, you know, 10 years older, and I'm trying to tell them the facts of life and what things are all about and they were confusing to me. I thought the key event and I still think the key event in the 20th century was the Columbine shootings. I think that's what changed our culture. It was a wake-up call and we completely missed it. We made it about guns instead of making about what in the world is going on with this generation and how one kid could hypnotize another kid it was a big wake-up call and I just I remember over the next few years after the Columbine shooting how disappointed I was with the lack of change in our culture the lack of they didn't get it they didn't wake up and it trickled down into the youth group and I'll tell you one quick story I was busy taking my kids on camping trips and one of the things we did every summer was go to Mexico and we would work down there and I remember Maybe six months after a trip we took, one of the kids said, it's not my problem that those people down there don't have housing and food and clothes. My heart sank to the to the ground, and I thought, what are we doing here? What are we, What are we missing? That's probably the first wake-up call that I got about discipleship. It occurred to me that a lot of these kids who grew up in the church I was ministering in really didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But there was this pressure on me, grow the youth group, reach our kids, don't don't lose them. And I came to the basic conclusion that we are in this together. It is not the youth pastor's job. And when I became a senior pastor, and to this day, I am heavily involved in the lives of the youth at our church because it has to be multi-generational. I hope my evolution makes a little bit of sense, but I started to see, and a lot of my friends are out of the ministry from those days when we had high hopes for youth ministry, but it, the, the answer was always, and you've seen this, and may, you've been a senior pastor, hire the right youth guy, and you'll save the next generation, but we kicked them down to the basement, left them alone, and at the end of the day, they didn't come out discipled, they didn't come out even attending church, most of them are not even believers anymore.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that Columbine up because a lot of the school shootings have been done by young men. And you kind of wonder where did they go wrong? Why were they so disjointed from the rest of society, the rest of their peer group and so forth? So as a senior pastor, you said it was very important for you to have connections with the youth group. That's not usually the case, as you just stated. You hire a youth pastor. So do you feel that it is essential for a senior pastor to be have some contact with the youth so there is this generational gap that, that they can exchange ideas and relationship? Is that your Mandatory. philosophy?
2: Mandatory.
0: Mandatory.
2: Mandatory. No question about it. The uh, senior pastor should be involved in the children and youth ministry. They, The kids got to see me, and I want a certain atmosphere. You were watching me and observing me when we were working together at City View Church, how I I wanted this place to be a place where kids can run around and kids can be kids, and sometimes things will get broken. The church had the attitude toward me as a kid, you know, and I thought, who wants to grow up to be like those people? They're so grumpy, they're always yelling at us. There was always one or two, though. There was a guy, Charlie the Candyman, and he would pass out candy every single Sunday to the kids. It was those kind of people that really drew me to the church.
0: So if the church is generational and, and we have seen the progression of the loss of manhood or the sense of knowing what a man is through each generation, and now we're down to the generation we call Generation Z, what are your plans to reach them, to try to get manhood back into vogue again so a boy can be a man and he understands what a man is? And it's not just, you know, having muscles or dressing cool or whatever there, there has to be a spiritual component in his life to give him a true north, to give him some sort of a balance between what the culture is telling him and what he knows to be true. Well,
2: we have a young man. He's going into high school this year, and I was talking to his mom yesterday, and she said, "Yep, I'm searching for a discipleship group for him. So the question early on was, how old do these young guys have to be until they're in, in discipleship? And It seems to me, those formative years, right around freshman in high school, maybe even a little bit earlier. His older brother always talks about how he got into life group. He's a man I didn't really know what was going on, and I was a little bit confused, and I was a little bit bored. But after a while, I slowly caught on, and I started to get interested in what the older men were talking about and discussing. So our first plan is older men with younger men. So when I'm talking about a life group, if you're part of City View, you know that we have men with men, women with women type of discipleship, not kind of just an open small group format. And it's worked wonderfully for us and it's attracted many, many young people to our congregation. And just the thrill of the parents and seeing how their young sons are growing up to be men of God, and now they're turning around and repeating the process.
0: So you just don't open up some sort of published discipleship book and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You do something a little bit different. Tell us what it is.
2: Well, as far as studying the Word, here's one idea that we do. Discovery Bible studies, and that's where you just take a passage. They do it all over the world in places like India, Africa. The gospel is just exploding with just a simple method. You bring people in, and you read the Scripture, and then you ask some simple questions. What does it mean? What does it mean to you? Here's the catch. Then you you ask the question, who are you going to tell about it? So you're going to go and share it with somebody, preferably somebody who doesn't know Christ. But you're learning to share, and you're learning to live out the gospel. And then there's the accountability of being with each other each week. So last week, we took an Old Strong's Concordance and we started on the word grace because we have grace is one of our eight characteristics of a disciple and we looked at every passage starting in Genesis where the word grace appeared and we had a fantastic conversation about the word grace and we'll be over there for two or three months just on the word grace and then we'll move on to obedience but the point is it's when we talk about life on life it's about doing life together it's not about a program there are dozens, probably hundreds of discipleship plans out there. But in all of those plans, I've never seen a plan that actually teaches people how to study the Bible for themselves and then to turn around and lead other people into Bible study. So what we're trying to do is get people skills to walk as a disciple.
0: I love that, walk as a disciple, because oftentimes we're throwing ideas and concepts and spiritual teachings at people, but there's never an end to to it. In other words, they don't know how to apply it. And so that's what Life on Life is all about. It's uh, actually, here's the principle, and here's how you live it out. Because if men are going to be the spiritual leads of their home, which is also in jeopardy today, they're going to need to know what a spiritual man is and how does a spiritual man treat a woman and his children and all of those things. So those are things you get into as
2: well, correct? Absolutely. And I'm doing another men's retreat this weekend. So we're doing two this year. I'll probably do three next year. And they're all on different topics. So I spend a great deal of time studying and preparing the subject this week coming weekend, I leave tomorrow, is the man and the woman. I thought a lot about is it the man and the woman and the man and his woman. It's just the man and the woman. So young men are asking me, how do I interact with a woman? I get this question a lot. How do I ask a girl out? And then how old should I be? And then how far should we go? And should I ever kiss her? Should I hold her hands? You know, all of these questions are really eating these guys up. And I want to get them into an atmosphere where we sit around the campfire and talk about those heavy kind of subjects. So there are things that we're starting to implement now to even enhance what we're doing in the Life on Life groups.
0: I think it's great for a pastor and a church to have an emphasis on men because men are somewhat overlooked in our culture today. They feel it. You know, you've said that many times on the podcast and in the past podcasts anyway. So do women push back on you and say, okay, pastor, you're spending all this time with men. I mean, yeah, I get it. But hey, you know, that's only half of the equation. Yeah, some do. (laughs) Some do.
2: Yeah, they push back most I think appreciate the investment that I'm making in their sons and their husbands and that was the one thing that started the, the women asking for Life on Life groups that said, our husbands are changed. What are you doing to them? We want to have a group like this for us. Some of the younger wives were saying, hey, we need mentorship too as much as, as you do. And in this culture of confusion about gender, I think it's even more important. I don't get pushback from guys. I do get pushback from women. I think that there are certain things that we hear in the culture from the culture and we absorb it and we don't even realize that we're absorbing it. It's so easy to just sort of swim with the current and hear things like how women are underpaid, underutilized, not respected in the workplace, those kinds of things. The reality is it is men who are doing far worse than women. They are higher suicide rate, higher imprisonment, less college and high school graduation. The culture lets our men off the hook. They don't have to take, they can make a child, a baby, they don't have to take responsibility for it. So much of the policies, even from our government, have destroyed the family and destroyed manhood. And Satan knows if you can get to the head, you can take out not just the family, but the entire culture.
0: Well, I have noticed over the years that the headship has been somewhat eroded because it's more the egalitarian, we're we're co-equals, which you are in some fashion, but there's still an order to the family due to the fall, right? And so I think there has to be something given to the man so that he doesn't become a tyrant with that concept, but a protector and a provider. And is that sort of the kinds of things you talk to these young men about? Especially, let's talk about this retreat just briefly. You're going to talk about a man and the woman. I mean, what's the main thought there? What do you plan on saying to these guys? How do you carry yourself? Just
2: drove past a corner store here in the city. I was with one of the young guys. And he says, look at these guys here. These guys stand outside this corner store all day long. And they kind of own the corner store. They control it. They steal whatever they want. They do whatever they want. But the thing that that got me was their presentation, just how they carry themselves. There's girls standing around with them, and they're probably oohing on, and these guys are so cool, and they can do their thing. And I'm thinking about these guys, they can stand out here, and they could be cool, but put them in a room with other older men, and they're just going to wilt they probably have a meltdown. A lot of guys that I deal with, they cannot handle being around older men. They can't be in that kind of environment. And it's either sink or swim, and a lot of times they'll sink, and they'll just like, I'm out of here. I can't take this. I can't take the correction, the pressure, the I don't fit here, because yeah, they haven't been with men. They haven't been in a proper situation. So I'm gonna talk about presentation. I'm gonna talk about a biblical word, countenance how you appear to the woman, how do you present yourself? I was in a discussion yesterday with my assistant pastor, Pastor Brandon, and he was talking about, you know, we always talk about these kind of subjects together. He was talking about just his struggles as a as a man and saying, you know, how much do I display forcefulness or, you know, being the the head of my home? How how far do I go? How do I how do I navigate through all of this? And and he recognizes, he says, you know, I got a strong personality and I think I'd come on strong to people. I said, what you're talking about is your power because men have power. We are different than women. We have muscles. We have power. An ability to lift things and work, and my wife needs me, mm-hmm. and she wants me to be available. But I can use my power all different kinds of ways. I can invest all of my power in sex. I can invest it in making money. But as a Christian man, I want to invest it in my wife, and my children, and my community. And we're not being taught that today. Men are allowed to isolate. They're allowed to go off on their own. They're burying their heads in their phones the wife is dying trying to take care of the kids and here's the guy not even with staring at it used to be staring at the tv my wife would say you're, you're always in front of the tv because that was the different generation now it's just a, new, a different object right and so everywhere we go we have this thing and it protects us and it's a wall between relationship every once in a while we'll have a woman in the church and she's dating a guy and we have this picnic outside and where's where's the guy we're gonna be oh he's inside and he's on his phone sitting there and he's probably sweating bullets because he's, he's thinking to himself, I can't relate, I can't talk, I can't. I don't really fit here.
0: And part of that reason is that phone in his hand. Because when we used to get information in the past, it was done by conversation. Yeah. You and I would have coffee and you'd say, hey, did you read about blah, 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 blah? And i go, yeah, but did you see this? Well, today, they, they're getting it from that screen. And they, there is no conversation, no relationship, and so no wonder they can't relate to another human being. So things are going to be different in your church, and I applaud you, Pastor Walt, for even going down this path, because it's a really a strong need within the church. So this next generation, even beyond where the Generation Z, the I generation is today, you just have a, a, a brand new grandchild. And so, you know, just think about that generation, What what's going to happen if we don't look learn how to bring spiritual values into that young life early, and it shouldn't stop at high school. I remember years ago, everyone said, oh yeah, youth group was great up through junior high, and then in high school, kaboom, nothing ever worked. That can't happen anymore, can it, Pastor Walt?
2: Oh, that's absolutely true, and the one thing about my new grandson is I'm going to be involved in his (laughs) life. We're going to go fishing, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to teach him to throw football and He's got his dad, too. Yeah. But he's gonna have, think of the strong sense of identity that he's gonna have. Right. And my son-in-law has that because his grandparents are around. Right. And he grew up on the camp, they, they own a camp, and he grew up running around there and being a boy. And he knows some things, he's got some skills. So my yeah. daughter is in good hands. And Amen. now my grandson Ezekiel is gonna have those kind of skills. Mm-hmm. And a, that's a part of it too with this generation is, when we talk about generations, the generations before, they had an identity, they had a sense of who they are because they had the grandparents in their life. And so they realized, hey, I came over here as an immigrant or I came to this place and started this farm. And that makes you feel good and it makes you have a sense of purpose. And that's totally gone now. I hope my kids stay in the area, and I can invest in their in their kids' lives, yeah. their kids'
0: lives. Amen. And just just think, you get a chance to teach Ezekiel how to preach. Exactly. I'm already <laughs>
2: praying over him. Jesus, call this young man to ministry, please.
0: So, City View Church. But tell us a little bit about the church, what time, how people can find out more information about you, and so forth.
2: Sunday service, ten thirty a.m. We're not showy. We're not flashy. You're just going to get some meat and potatoes word and some solid worship. And hopefully you'll be pulled into our vortex of fellowship together. And the website again is cvcmpls.org, 1030 Sunday morning.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud
1: please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org.